He's amused Cam Newton. He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, would you have scheduled this game? He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go, Tario. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. I see, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. You are on a Tuesday drive. Well, we've got quite a bit of ACC Big Four news today. A couple of them not that surprising. As expected, John Shire promotes Emil Jefferson to his staff, making him one of three assistants who can recruit and be on the floor coaching players at practice. And NC State freshman Terquavion Smith has declared for the NBA draft, but still leaves the door cracked for a potential return to Raleigh because he signed an NCAA certified agent. This is different news than what Wake Forest seven-footer Dallas Walton made official last night. Walton announced he's going to keep his name in the draft, effectively ending his college career and effectively starting the search for the Deeks' next big man. Once again, Steve Forbes is going to have to find that guy through the transfer portal because Walton was one of the two guys they played at center for large stretches of the season. The other, Hadim C., one of the few seniors Wake had on its roster, guys who don't have any eligibility remaining. The other, the reigning ACC Player of the Year, Alondis Williams. Here's the good news, though, Deke fans. Both Dallas Walton and Hadim C. were not on the roster at this time a year ago. Coach Forbes found them in the transfer portal, and there's no coach in the ACC I trust more going into the portal, identifying what he needs, and finding that guy than Coach Forbes. We've talked about this many times. Steve Forbes has a background in JUCO, which is constant movement of rosters, constant roster fluidity. And nobody in the ACC can really say that other than Forbes. The rest of the ACC's head coaches combined combined for one year of JUCO experience, and that's Kevin Keats of the mid-1990s. Steve Forbes spent 11 years in it, so this is nothing new to him. He's comfortable going into the portal if he has to. He did dispel the narrative that that's what he wants to do year to year when we talked to him last. But if he has to go into the portal, as evidenced a year ago, he has no problem doing that and he can find that talent. He needs to find a starting center in the portal. That's what he needs to do because I do not see the answer currently on the roster. Matthew Marsh, he's a big kid. This will be his second year on campus. You also got a four-star, six-nine power forward named Zach Zach Keller, who's coming in from Colorado. But again, Keller is a freshman, and he's six-nine. Dallas Walton was seven foot one, and Hadim C was six foot ten, and he also played four years of college basketball. Five, if you count the year that I think he had an injury redshirt penciled in there as well. And Dallas Walton played a very long time. And again, he's seven feet tall. Matthew Marsh, he played six minutes a game last year. And that was only in 13 games he appeared in. And he dealt with injuries, including one late in the season. If that's their rotation in the paint, Matthew Marsh and a freshman named Zach Keller, that's a problem. And I don't suspect that's what it's going to be. The next step for Wake is waiting 
on what happens with Zay Musius and Jake LaRavia. Both of them, like Terquavion Smith at State, declared for the draft, but opened the door for a potential return to campus. Most guys who are any good, especially at this level, should be doing this. You want to get the feedback from NBA scouts, from NBA coaches telling you, if you want to play in the league, this is what you need to do better. Or being told by a scout, you're already good enough to play in the league. Quavion Smith, just take your name, keep your name in the draft, see what happens. That's a fascinating case. Uh, Baby T and Raleigh. I have no read on either Musius or Laravia. I'll be honest with you. I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if both decided to play elsewhere, whether that's entering the transfer portal or deciding to put the keep their name in the draft. I wouldn't be surprised if both came back. That's where I stand on it. In Laravia's case, there are mock drafts that have Laravia taken in the second round, and he's not a freshman. So is his stock realistically going to go up after another year at Wake Forest? I can listen to arguments on both sides of that. So if he decides to keep his name in the draft, that makes a lot of sense. If he decides to come back thinking, I can win something substantive at Wake Forest and potentially be an ACC player of the year and do what Alondis just did this past year, I'd understand that too. While getting a great education at Wake. As for Zay Musius, he has a Wake Forest degree. He's looking at a potential fifth year. This is a COVID season for him. He could either come back and be one of those great stretch four types that the Deeks like to use and that they've used the last couple of years. Or he could play college basketball somewhere else. Uh, closer to home, he's a New York kid. Maybe that's something he wants to do. Or maybe he just wants to make money playing basketball. And if that's not in the NBA, he'll do it in the G League or he'll do it overseas. Those two, I really don't have a great read on. Regardless, though, I expect Wake to be competitive. Damari Monsanto, he's a guy. Going to be an elite shooter in this league. Davian Williamson's going to be the leader. Winston-Salem kit, he should be back. And Cam Hildreth, I think he's a player out of this freshman class. I don't know about Robert McRae. I don't know about Lucas, Lucas Taylor. But I feel confident in a handful of these guys. And I also feel confident that Wake Forest does not have it at center right now in terms of who would be starting for this team. So Steve Forbes is going to have to find that through the portal now that Dallas Walton is officially gone. On Twitter, at WSJS Sports, you can chime in on today's show. 336-777-1600 is the phone number. Robert Walsh. Producing this show, Robert, you only got three more of these to do today, tomorrow, and Thursday. How's it feel? Oh, we're getting there now. We're getting in there. Yeah, and Robert is helping transition this show to the next producer, Will Dalton, in all this week. Will Dalton, are you learning anything this week? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, you learned, learned a ton of stuff. Like, just like yesterday, we were going over uh, Take It to the House and, like, stories that would work for that and, like, ending the show and giving you enough time to wrap it up. Like, he's learning a lot of stuff over here. I'm glad to hear it, Will. Hornets coach James Borrego, going to join the show in 10 minutes. Will is a huge Hornets fan. He's got a horn, Hornets uh, toboggan, or are we going to call that, like, a beanie that he has on there? I don't know. What would you call it, Will? 
You know, I, I'd probably, yeah, I agree. I think I'd probably call it a toboggan because uh, it has the, the thing the on top. The ball hat. Yeah, that makes it a toboggan. I got you. Thanks. Uh, good input again, Will. I'm told that JB is en route to the airport ahead of tomorrow's do-or-die play-in game in Atlanta. We got a couple of games tonight, including the 7-8 matchup between the Brooklyn Nets and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And this is what's interesting to me. There was a Kevin Arnovitz story at ESPN that I found intriguing on the subject of super teams. And is the era of super teams dying in 2022? I think there's some truth to this. I think this season is going to change the way NBA executives think about roster building. It isn't to say you're not going to go after a star, but it is to say you want to make sure you have a steady infrastructure in place already before you start bringing in players who might not have that much respect for a place that doesn't have that infrastructure. The infrastructure is, I'm a star, I can do whatever I want. The the way you do things is now just the way that I do things. The Nets and Lakers both chase stars this way, going sheerly after mercenaries and have failed the last two years. The Lakers losing in a first-round series a year ago to Phoenix and now not even qualifying for the play-in tournament, which is embarrassing. And the Nets are playing in the play-in tournament when going into the year they were the odds-on favorite to win the title. It could be the end of it. Both organizations are a mess right now. And it's a copycat league. The process, that failed. And now everybody's kind of out on the idea of tanking multiple seasons in order to get draft picks and to become a great team that way. They saw how it turned out in Philadelphia. Not great. What has worked is the same recipe that's worked pretty much since the beginning of time, and it's culture and building through the draft are the primary answers. That wasn't the way some of these teams built during the the player empowerment era, the super team era, throwing draft picks to the win, taking a draft pick that you took. No, we're going to trade away our first overall pick to bring in Kevin Love because we're trying to win right now. That's what we're going to do. No, this tells me, if you look at the teams now, it tells me culture and building through the draft, that's now the answer. It's the it's the constant across generations. Again, it doesn't mean you don't pursue stars, but it's we're going to bring in Kevin Durant when we already have Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson. It's we're going to go... It's fine to bring LeBron James back to Cleveland, but we already have a star here in Kyrie Irving that's been playing before Kyrie decided to decided to say, I need to have my own team. I need to do my own thing. Robert is a Toronto Raptors fan. You bring in Kawhi Leonard, they don't win that title without Kawhi, but they don't win it as well without the culture that was set in place with guys like Kyle Lowry in that organization. And when you look at the teams at the top of the NBA right now, it's Memphis. It's the Milwaukee Bucks. You got Giannis. You drafted Giannis. Then you add guys like a Drew Holiday, and you add those types of players to the puzzle when you've already identified that star and the culture's already been established. This is the good news and why I want to talk about this issue with James Borrego. The Hornets have that star. The Hornets have that homegrown star. They have the franchise player that you need. It is a prerequisite to win a title. You have that homegrown star in LaMelo Ball. And 
That's what makes me optimistic about the next two to three years of Charlotte basketball, or I guess two, three years beyond the Gordon Hayward contract and figuring things out with Terry Rozier. LaMelo is 20 years old. When LaMelo gets to his prime, 23, 24, 25 years old, and he's still in Charlotte, and you still have the steady leadership of Borrego and Mitch Kupchak, if they continue to make the right decisions, Charlotte can be a contender, and they could get to their first ever conference finals. No team's had a longer drought of being an organization without making it to a conference finals in major professional sports than the Charlotte Hornets. But they have the franchise guy now in LaMelo. 20 points a game, 8 assists, 7 rebounds in his second year, and he's 20? A legitimate star. Robert, you said it yesterday, that this is a guy that a superstar will eventually want to play alongside. Because while things might be shifting among executives, saying, well, maybe it's star chasing isn't exactly the way to go here. Maybe we try to build things from within. I think that also trickles down to some of these star players too, thinking, uh, maybe I don't have a big issue going to a non-traditional market like Phoenix, considering how things are working there. Or going to play for the Bucks. Maybe playing in Memphis isn't all that bad. Maybe playing for Michael Jordan's team in Charlotte, not that bad either. When you got this unique assist man, this unique point guard dishing things out. Anyone not on medication? No. Nope. The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Before I share a pick for every series in these NBA playoffs that tip off tonight with the play-in games, I want to tell you real quick about Pactive Evergreen. You can build your career at Pactive Evergreen. It's an HR platform. Employees can start at any level. Through hard work and ambition, you can advance to higher positions through skills development. But Josh, how do I do that, you might ask? Well, fittingly, today and tomorrow at 520 Radar Road in Greensboro, they're having a job fair, 520 Radar Road in Greensboro. So whether you grab a cup of coffee at work or enjoy a home-cooked breakfast today, there's a huge chance. You relied on Pactive Evergreen packaging. By 2030, 100% of the company's products will be made with recycled, recyclable, or renewable materials. This is a company that knows its team members are the cornerstone of its success. Qualified applicants get a signing bonus of $2,000. So the job fair today and tomorrow, it wrapped up already, I think, today, since we're telling you about it right now around 345. But tomorrow, starting at 10 a.m. through 2 o'clock, it is the job fair, courtesy of Pactive Evergreen, 520 Radar Road in Greensboro. Let's get to the NBA picks real quick. Robert, let's start. Should we start in the East or start in the West? Uh, it makes no difference to me. Let's start with the East. And I'll start optimistically. I'm going to say the Charlotte Hornets are going to get the number eight spot. I think they'll win against Atlanta. I think they'll catch a break with Brooklyn winning tonight. And Charlotte's had success against the Cleveland Cavaliers this year. I'll say the Hornets will be facing the Miami Heat. And I'll say the Hornets will get one off Miami. One! Miami Heat win in five. They advance to face the winner 
of the Sixers Raptors series. This is a 4-5. Robert, it's your last week, and I got some good news for you. Your Raptors are going to advance. They're going to knock out the Sixers. Sixers are in a bad place right now. You felt pretty confident in this series, didn't you? Dad, Gummit, I did until you picked them. So the Raptors are through to the second round. Congratulations, Robert. The Bucks and a 3-6 have the Chicago Bulls. Easiest pick in the first round, I guess, other than the Heat and Hornets. This is going to be a sweep, maybe a five-game series. Milwaukee, the defending champs, getting past the upstart Chicago Bulls. This is the most intriguing first-round series, though, if it does shake out this way. I have the Nets winning tonight, which means they get the seventh seed. They would play the Boston Celtics. And can you think about a worse nightmare if you're a Celtics fan than Kyrie Irving knocking you out when you're a number two seed? I think that happens. I think the Nets win this series in six games. They beat Boston, and Boston fans are going to be miserable about it. That's the Eastern Conference first-round matchup. In the West, Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns are the number one seed. I think they're going to be facing the T-Wolves. You're going to have a crazy Anthony Edwards game in there somewhere. Suns still win this series in five. Mavs, Jazz, 4-5. Got to have one of the lower seeds winning on each side. This is going to be that on the West. I like the Jazz. I picked them to win the finals last year and before this season started, I think. I don't think that'll happen, but I do think they get past Luka Doncic, who's just a compiler. When you watch him play, he does compile these triple doubles left and right, but sometimes it's Russell Westbrook-esque minus some of the other Russ stuff, which is annoying to me. So the Jazz win in seven games over the Dallas Mavericks. Golden State, Denver. I am a little concerned about Steph's ankle. It was just announced in the last 15 minutes and a press release by the team that there's no timetable for him to return. It's expected he could miss game one of this series, but probably will return in the middle of it. Even with that being the case, Golden State sneaks by Denver in seven. Sneaks by Nikola Jokic and company. They, they win the series. Grizzlies Clips. How to go with the Grindhouse and Memphis winning this series. Memphis easily on to the next round. Round two, Eastern Conference. Heat, the Heat and the Raptors. Sorry, Robert. Heat are too much. They have, I think, just too much firepower this year. They win in six games against Toronto. The Bucks and the Nets. It's a rematch of last year's series. Kevin Durant, if his foot was one couple of inches further back on that fallaway shot on the right wing, then the Nets win that semifinal and maybe win an NBA championship. But since it wasn't behind the line and it went to overtime, the Bucks held on. They won the series, beat Atlanta, then beat the Suns in the finals, as we all know. I think the Bucks take care of the Nets if the Nets get through to this point. There's a lot going on in Brooklyn, and I don't think they have the answers to beat a well-oiled defending champion Milwaukee Bucks team. Suns Jazz, Phoenix, loaded and rolling. Not a great matchup for Utah inside. 
when Phoenix goes small, they're such a dangerous team. And I think many pieces of this roster have taken that next step and benefited from the experience of making a finals run a year ago. Give me the Suns. Grizz, Golden State. Still concerned if Steph's going to be 100%. And I'll tell you a team you don't want to be 80 or 85% against, the Memphis Grizzlies. They are physical. They will push you. They will make you uncomfortable. And they have tons of bodies to do so. That's the recipe to giving Steph Curry problems. I think Memphis wins this series and wins it in six. That sets up the conference finals. You got the number one seed Miami Heat versus the number two seed, make it the number three seed, Milwaukee Bucks. Who wins the series? I'm going to lean with the team that has the better player, the best player in it. I was so conflicted on this. I'm going to go Bucks in six, going to their second consecutive finals. The last, this will be the third straight year that these teams meet in the playoffs. Remember, in the bubble, the Heat surprised Milwaukee and beat them in five. And then last year, Goran Dragic got hurt. Miami kind of limped into a series that they lost in four or five games. If both these teams are healthy, it's going to be a whale of a series. But I think Milwaukee has the edge because they have Giannis. Grizzly Suns, another awesome series. I think home court's really going to matter in it. And the Suns are the higher seed. And I think experience is really going to matter when you get to this round. And the Suns got Chris Paul. And Chris Paul no longer has on his shoulders, oh, he's never been to a conference final. He's never been to an NBA finals. Last year was important for him and for many players on this team. It's already going to be a great run if they get to this point for Memphis. I think the Suns set up a finals rematch in this year's finals but I think it's going to be a different result. Give me, maybe biased here because Chris Paul's involved, give me the Phoenix Suns taking it to seven games, unlike last year, which Milwaukee won in six, and winning on their home floor. Suns over the Bucks. That's my NBA Finals pick. Robert, assess. Sure. That works for me. I think that Heat game will probably go seven, though, with uh, the Raptors. Heat Raptors? Only because they're going to build it up, man. And then the Kyle, uh, Kyle Lowry coming back to Toronto, that's going to be a heartfelt game. Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. The Heat are so weird. They're so weird. Like, I, I get they're the number one seed, but, like, do I do I trust like their old backbone of PJ Tucker and Kyle Lowry to make it all the way through this playoffs? Like I don't know. That's scary to me because if you lose one of them, if you lose Kyle or PJ Tucker, your defense goes down dramatically. So I, it's tough. Will, how do you feel about Charlotte winning the play-in tournament and facing Miami in the first round? I feel pretty good. And we had talked about this. I like I mean before the show came on that Charlotte had a really good chance to come in and actually do the damn thing. Get the 8th pick and and move on to a not so favorable matchup. But I think the Hornets are ready to take that next step and and that's what Will talked about with me before the show. Thanks Will. That's <laughs> where I stand on it too. Uh, 
there's a ESPN mock draft out, Robert, that I think you will really enjoy. It is a seven-round NFL mock draft that's being done by Jordan Reed. Do we know Jordan Reed? Uh, yeah, I've read his stuff before, but I, I'm not a big fan of that draft. Who Only for are the you Ravens. A fan of? Only for the I'm talking oh, about of that the draft of gotcha. the draft. Uh, yeah, I know I dig him. He's not bad. Okay. So I don't dig the fact that Malik Willis is being taken number two by the Detroit Lions. Well, get used to it because that's the beat on the street, buddy. That's the beat on the street, buddy. That should be a segment. What's the beat on the street, buddy? Robert, what else is the beat on the street, buddy? Uh, the Jaguars are taking a long, hard look at uh, a Trayvon Walker. And as a that's po- the beat on the street, buddy. Trayvon Walker, that name continues to fly up draft boards. He's a freak. He's an absolute freak. And the problem with any of these Georgia guys are they all played selfless front football where none of them really excelled. They didn't have the numbers to be like, oh, that guy's a premium pass rusher in the case of Walker or with Davis. Like, oh, that guy is a premium run stopper. He didn't play enough snaps. So, like, they were all playing selfless football, so everyone was fresh. You're kind of just projecting for the future with any of these guys. Wyatt as well. Is Luis cracking jokes in there, intern Luis? I don't know what he was talking about. He was talking about getting a haircut earlier. Yeah, Will, Will, <laughs> Will, Will, what is it that uh, Luis just showed you? Well, if you'll notice here, he's putting it up to the screen, and uh, you know, because we've got our little uh, mock NFL draft coming up in a little while. And, but who uh, is that? Whose picture did he put on uh, that guy's face? Did he put my picture on this? It's you. Yeah, our good friend, the host of the Drive, That's Josh great. Graham. I love that. You know, me, my face with Goodell on it. Yeah, we do have a mock draft because I think we could do better here. See, why just share what Jordan Reed thinks rather than tell you what we think? And we'll put together a mock draft in just a little bit. Also, our conversation with James Borrego going to be up on our podcast channel shortly. Search in the Just search The Drive with Josh Graham on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor if you want that. Going through some of these other picks, though. Uh, Jordan Davis to the Texans at 13. Yes. I think that's the I think that's the the spot you start looking at him at. That was uh I was actually talking with former intern Cole Noble about that. That uh basically that we were wrong at the beginning of the draft uh process, saying that he was just a nose tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh but I I am still on the fact that he's even he's not a one technique, he's gonna be a three technique guy going against but guards. How many and centers. snaps can he play per game? Well, I mean that's up to your that's up to your defensive coordinator. If you think that you could take this guy and have him play around 40% of the snaps, that, then okay, take him. You know I mean, that, that's generally around what you're going to see guys that play in the trenches at like it's going to take on guards and centers. Mm-hmm. But the way the Texans are, their roster is a blank canvas. They just need to add blue chip guys, guys that have leadership, guys that are uh, ogres in strength. So whoever they're going to take there, Walker has been a topic of discussion there, but now he's kind of priced himself out of that position. Jermaine Johnson's kind of a topic there. Jordan Davis would not surprise me because if you'll remember, their current general manager was in New England when they drafted Vince Wilfork, uh, and Vince Wilfork, when he left, went to the Texans. Uh, So, I mean, I think that could be a good spot for Jordan. That's probably the, the first pick that I could see him coming off the board. Kenny Pickett. To the Carolina Panthers, according to Jordan Reed's mock, 
taken at number six. He does have trades factored into this as well. Trying to see how far down I have to scroll before I get to Sam Howell, who met with the Panthers this week. Saw video of Matt Corral walking through Bank of America Stadium as well on his social media. It doesn't seem like Jordan is a big fan of Sam Howell's work because I just saw Carson Strong's name taken before we've gotten to Sam Howell. But then again, I probably missed it while trying to scroll through this entire thing. You know, everyone tells me that I should be a little bit more efficient and using the control F feature. I was literally about to say, like, yeah. do you not control F? Yeah, no, I was wrong. Sam Howe was taken 47th by the Washington Commanders. You're on the drive with Josh Graham. Buckle up, because the ride just gets wilder. And now on WSJS Sports. According to Darren Gant, the Carolina Panthers are set to meet with Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett later this week. Matt Corral was in Bank of America Stadium earlier today. North Carolina Sam Howell yesterday was inside the bank. He didn't work out, though. The Panthers also had meetings set up with Desmond Ritter uh, and Bailey Zappi, the quarterback from Western Kentucky. So they're getting a full look at all of the quarterbacks. We also got tickets to give away. Don't know when Robert's going to do that. He never tells me. So at any point, we could be giving away five-figure death punch tickets. In addition to that, we've got our draft, our mock draft that we're going to be doing here in just a second. Because I figured that Jordan Reed... You could do a seven-round mock, and we could tell you what the ESPN analyst thinks, but why not just do it ourselves? We'll do it live and do it ourselves, and that's what we're going to do now. Robert, I'll do odds. You've got evens. You ready to do this thing? Sounds good to me. Okay. Let's get started with the number one pick. The Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock, and the pick is in. The Jacksonville Jaguars take Michigan edge Aiden Hutchinson. Follow the transactions in the offseason. Look how much emphasis they've put on the offensive line. They're going to take either Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau. And since Thibodeau's fallen out of favor just a little bit, I think Hutchinson's going to be the guy. This should not be a shot. Hutchinson's the pick for me. Robert, you've got the Detroit Lions. And it's kind of easy. Uh, at first, with Hutchinson on the board, hypothetically at two, I think it would be a much tougher decision. And real quick, we're doing what we think's going to happen, not what they should do, yes? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no trades as well. I forgot to spell that out. Too. Yeah, you got all kind of caveats, man. What if I was trying to trade back? There's already a trade. They didn't sign the draft card. What if that happened? <laughs> we'd just be out of luck. Well, good thing we haven't heard the sounder, which means the pick's not in yet. With Hutchinson off the board, that makes it a lot easier to progress here for the Lions. They might want to bring their hometown boy in, but the Jaguars made it a lot easier on them, and they take the quarterback for the future in Malik Willis. Ah, 
So a quarterback does go number two. Malik Willis, the pick, out of Liberty. That means the number three pick. Interesting selection here for the Houston Texans. I don't think whom I'm about to say is the best player on the board, but this is what I believe the pick's going to be. The Texans take NC State tackle Iki Okwanu, number three overall. Some are concerned about his build. Is he more of a right tackle versus a left tackle? I'm not that concerned about that, especially in Houston's spot where they already got Laramie Tunsil on the left. So bring in Aquanu, who is so physical and he's athletic too. Put him on the right side and book in your line the right way. The Texans go offensive line with the number three pick. You've now got the Jets. The Jets are in a... I think an even more interesting spot than the Texans are at three because not only did they have the pick at four, they have multiple second-round picks while also picking at ten. Yeah, you also yeah they pick at ten too, so you got a couple of Jets picks to announce. Uh, this is tough because if you watched the Jets last year, you would think that the most maligned position on their roster would be cornerback where they weren't able to cover anybody anytime someone played them, the Bengals game, any game you can point to. They created tons of air yards, and I was really trying to slide sauce in here, but I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. I think that the Jets would stick with best player available, and if you look back in August, if you look back probably even a year ago, this guy was number one overall. I'm going to have to go Kayvon Thibodeau here. Okay. They they spent a lot of money last season signing Carl Lawson, who tore his Achilles in the offseason. Besides guys who should not be named because – I can't name them. There is not another good pass rusher on this roster. So if you have the opportunity to grab a world beater like Kayvon, I think the Jets would do it. I'm right there with you. I've got Kayvon Thibodeau number four to the Jets in a hypothetical. But I also don't think that Kayvon Thibodeau is the best player on the board. That's going to make things interesting in the back end of this round. And I think it might best benefit the Carolina Panthers. Because if it shakes out this way, I think the New York Giants with the number five pick. Take Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame rather than going with the tackle out of Bama. Kyle Hamilton, I think, is the safest pick in this entire draft. Whatever position you're talking about, I think he's the safest pick, and I think he's a New York Giant, especially since they have another pick at number seven. I agree. Uh, Seeing him, I think the highest you could possibly see him is at three to the Texans if they really want to blue chip Maybe number two to the Lions. That's really tough for me to see. When you've got pass rusher, they let Trey Flowers go in the offseason. But we're not talking about the Lions anymore. We're talking about the Panthers. Yep. This is the big one here. If this was me, (laughs) I would not touch a quarterback here <laughs> not with Neil on the board yeah. not with cross still on the board not with i wouldn't but i don't think the panthers oh. are going to do that oh, uh, i i think they're going to go kenny pickett which is unfortunate oh, uh, oh yeah the picks in and it's pickett wow. uh, i would hate this i would be so upset if they did this I, you've got the hypothetically the number one tackle on the board neil Steele. If Pickett goes here, uh, oh. as a Panthers fan, if I was a Panthers fan, I would be upset, but that this is what I think they would do. If this is what I would do, I would take Neil here. Me too. And be happy with it. 
but I, I don't think that's what they're going to do. Race to the podium situation at number seven. The Giants race the pick in. It is in. It's Alabama tackle Evan Neal, number seven. And if the board falls to them like this at five, Woo! it's smart for them Woo! not to take a tackle, unless they prefer one over the other. But if it's a comparable grade between Neal and Cross, you know you're going to get the, your pick of one of the two after Carolina goes. So going Hamilton, or even in, in this case going Sauce at five, is a great decision for them because they know they're going to get one of the guys at seven. Exactly. Evan Neal, the pick number seven to the New York Giants. That's what I got. And, wow, this has been a crazy top ten already. You got the Atlanta Falcons up. Who are they taking? Atlanta Falcons pick is in. And I think here's Sauce Gardner off to the Falcons. Uh, Easily a number one corner in this draft. I I have him and Stingley comparable, but – I would take the non-injury history with Sauce over the off-the-field stuff with Stingley. Uh, And also here, the Falcons are starting over. You're getting a blue-chip guy here who can be a leader on your defense, something that they've lacked for a really long time. Uh, So Sauce would be an easy pick here if I'm the Falcons. Yeah, I think they go speed in that spot too. If it's not corner, maybe the first wide receiver off of the board. But now we got the Seattle Seahawks up. And with the number nine pick, Seattle goes O-line. They take Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. They need quarterback. They need O-line play. I think you go with Charles Cross in this pick, who I think would be the best player on the board. One more pick to go. The New York Jets, Robert. I can't remember the last time we hadn't had a wide receiver in the first 10 picks. I don't know if the Jets would go that path. Who do you have them taking? This is tough. Uh, I would definitely have them go a wide receiver at this pick, considering they were in the Tyreek Hill sweepstakes. They tried to sign uh, some guys last offseason and ended up with Corey Davis. I think they're going to want to upgrade that position. Their head coach is a defensive guy, yep. and Stingley is still mm-hmm. probably a top five talent at on defense in this draft. I think they go defense, try to change this whole thing around, and Stingley is the pick at 10. That's what I had, too. Derek Stingley, the number 10 pick to the Jets. To recap, I don't know why I said it that way. Recap. To recap. Aiden Hutchinson, one to the Jags. Malik Willis, two to the Lions. Iki Aquanu from State, three to the Texans. Kayvon Thibodeau, four to the New York Jets. Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame, five to the Giants. Kenny Pickett to the Panthers, passing on Evan Neal, who goes number seven to the New York Giants. Sauce Gardner, the corner out of Cincinnati, is an Atlanta Falcon at eight. Nine, Charles Cross, the corner or the offensive tackle from Mississippi State. He's a Seahawk. And the Jets take Derek Stingley Jr., the corner. From LSU. That rounds out our top 10. You want to do the next 10? Let's do the next 22. Who cares, right? Let's just go through them. Nah, I don't think we're going to do that. Just just the top 10. I couldn't let you leave. We might give you a call in a few weeks just, just for draft analysis, the week of the draft. Or are you going to charge at that point? Am yeah. I going to charge? Yeah, just like you leave. And you're like, well, I would do some draft analysis, but 
Gotta open up the checkbook. Oh, probably. Nah, I don't know, man. Actually, I'm going to be in Fredericksburg the whole week of the draft, so probably just going to be drinking out by the lake. Understood. This is The Drive with Josh Graham. Give it to me straight, Chief. Here we go. Isn't anyone going to say what we all better be thinking? On WSJS Sports. All right. Hayes Permar on the line to play skips or plays with us. I realized, did we talk to Permar last week? Because I don't think we talked about at all our experiences from New Orleans and dot, B-Dot traveling with Hayes on a plane that he described was like a RAV4 in the sky. What's the best story you've got from New Orleans, because we only hung out for a little while on Bourbon Street the first night I was there. Yeah, and then uh, you also must have forgotten that we did talk last week uh, on Tuesday. So I'm <laughs> g- g- glad to know I left an impression and gave you all my good stories then, uh, Josh. And we talked, talked on our... and we talked yesterday on the air. Yeah, yeah we did on the too. Adam Gold we Show. Too. Uh, no, I'm trying to think. New Orleans was uh, was was fun, not wild. Maybe it is just, I, I feel like I'm still down to get wild. Maybe wild just doesn't find me as often, you know? I met up with some old buddies at a place called Tippy Tina's uh, on Saturday night and uh, went sailing with a buddy Sunday afternoon in New Orleans. So, like, nothing crazy, but making the best of the time there. As far as BDOT, uh, yeah, I got to stand up for my, my pilot a little bit. BDOT is an entertainer, right? Like, he's trying to sell a story, like, I don't think he was actually as scared. The plane, admittedly, very small, but also very capable and very airworthy. Uh, and at no time, I, I think, was there any actual danger. But, uh, you know, it sells better on Instagram to look like you're terrified. I will say it is, it is something cool that everybody should do, uh, you know, flying like that. It's, it's, it's a little scary the way going on a roller coaster is scary, where you're like, wait, my body isn't naturally meant to be this exposed, this high up in the air. But, you know, your mind tells you that, regulated and safe and thousands of people do it every day. So it's the same going up in a plane, but when you are flying through a cloud and like, you can't see anything in front of you and you can't see anything beside you and you're totally trusting your instrumentation. And you're like, well, what would happen if like a flock of birds were just coming through this cloud? Like we could see them if it were regular air, we could do something about that. But I, I, I don't know uh, what we do here. If something hit us, we would never know what it was. So, uh, so it's an interesting experience for sure. Robert Walsh is going to leave us in a couple of days. And I don't know. You've been coming on with us since the old show with me and Robert. And I've always wanted to say the old show. So it sounds like David Letterman. I grew up watching David Letterman. And he used to always say, on the old show. Well, me and Robert used to do radio together in Eastern North Carolina. So it gave me the opportunity to do so. You used to be a guest frequently on that show too, right? I... Whenever you've called me, I pick up the phone, Josh Graham. So however much you've called me is how much I've been on your show. Okay. Um, I do remember that you, uh, that, yeah, you, uh, you brought Robert over to Winston-Salem. That's how valued a, uh, a, a team, a player he was. That, uh, that you, um, I'm trying to think of the equivalent. You were like uh, the coach of the Bills when he left, uh, <laughs> I want to call him Sean, Sean McDermott, but it's yeah. not Sean McDermott. Uh, yeah, well, no, Sean McDermott did leave the Panthers to go to the Bills, but then... He brought everybody from the Panthers along with him. 
That's what I mean. So that's that's what you did. You left Greenville and went to the. Uh, um, I, for some reason, I thought I had my Sean's mixed up, but uh, but yeah, you went to Winston and then you started just picking off all the old ECU radio guys and bringing them with you. That's right, and also the David Glenn radio tree too, just rating that as well because Will Dalton's going to be the one to succeed uh, Robert Walsh at the end of this week. But let's get yeah. to skips or plays, Robert. Am I right to guess there's a sentimental? Uh, theme to this? Yeah, something like that. I like saying goodbye or like uh, the end of an era. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, those kind of songs. Right, but also this is a succession plan. It's not about the end. Like you're just wanting to make sure we're present with this show. We're not talking about the fact that this is your last time that you're going to do anything. No, you're staying present with the show, right? Well, mostly I picked this because A, I always take the easiest way out and this was the theme that was right in front of me. And two, I always pick the content that's easiest to make. And once again, this was right here in front of us. So no, not about me. It was about what's easier. Will, that's what it was. And Will, you you don't feel like that you're transitioning into a new role is being, you know, trampled on it all by Robert, right? Not at all. I mean, especially when you have to think about it, he's sitting in the same room as me at the, at the at the same time we do this show. So like it's never about like me talking all over him and just taking his airtime away. It's about me like explaining to him what the functions of the show are and how the guests are used and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Will. I'm just glad to hear that that's the way you feel. Let's get to skips or plays. Hayes Permar is somewhat of a renaissance man, an expert in the finer things, but he hangs his hat on music. Loves his God, and he's no friend of Satan. He was like, oh, six, getting busy with the sticks, been watching Big Mike and Lil' Trick. and trip. I just need a Zion and someone he can dunk on. Today, Hayes will decide if this music is smash or trash, glows or blows. It's time for Skips or Plays with Hayes. All right, I'm leaving. We get it. I'm not going to be here next week. So I've got this sappy-themed goodbye song, three-song plays for you. Uh, but Hayes Permar, I don't want right. to get too lovey-dovey yet. Uh-oh. But, sure. But you are the absolute man. When I was doing oh, radio man. in Greenville, I would hear all the time about this Easter Bunny Santa Claus-esque character who was not only funny but knowledgeable about the state. And I only got to work with you briefly. Uh, so it was like talking on the phone, like getting you set up. But then I got to work with you here in Winston. And you're a light bulb, dude. I almost cussed right there because you are a dynamo. You make everyone around you funnier, better. And I remember the first show you came in, my whole goal, the only thing I wanted to do was make you laugh one time. And I did not do that the entire show. Every joke I had, everything I said fell flat, and I felt like a failure. And then the next week you came in, it, it was like I was I was the funny. I think that was the the Macy Pate where I said she was drinking on the golf course or something. And, sure, sure. And you laughed at everything, and you laughing at my jokes made me feel on top of the world because I've always thought of you as the tippy top of comedic producers. So it has been an absolute pleasure to get to work with you, to get to make these stupid segments that are really, in 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 essence, nothing. There is nothing here. But you, <laughs> uh, you make this something, and I appreciate the, the opportunity to make something with you. This is all going the wrong way. You're the one being sent off. The kind words are supposed to be showered and bestowed upon you. 
but uh, I don't really have any. That's a typical honest. producer. Yeah, That's a typical <laughs> producer, isn't it? Robert is supposed to be about him, but he's making it about someone else. That's producing. Yeah, he is. I've got. Uh, I told Graham, you know, I had a long week in New Orleans, and I'm filling in on Adam Gold this week, so I've not had my full time to absolutely do nothing except kick around creative ideas. But I'll spare so that it, to uh, to calm the lumps, love fest and let the listeners actually move on. <laughs> I'll save my send-offs for maybe your final show uh, when I'll send over something special, and we'll do that then. Oh, for now. Let's just play oh yeah, you don't have to do okay. that. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll get into the yeah, songs. We'll get into All the right, What's the first songs. song here? The first song we got for you is Green Day's Time oh. of Your Life, which is there not a more quintessential graduating high school song? I thought the title was Good Riddance. It, it, it's Good Riddance in parentheses, Time of Your Life. Gotcha. I also cut out the, the bad word at the <laughs> beginning of say, this. Did we cut that out? Yes. I forgot. The the F bomb did not play. <laughs> uh, you should have aired it and then blamed it on uh, Josh Graham. <laughs> <laughs> that that is definitely my no, MO. We, we would have blamed Will for it and said, nah, well, uh, see, yeah, he's yeah, learning. It's even better. Um, you know, this is actually a play. I've tried to, to call this song too sappy, but it is kind of good. You're right. This song, like In My Life by the Beatles, was one for a uh, long time that I always used in like slideshows and stuff, just classic. Yes, wrapping up the, the high school year or whatever it might be. The only thing I like to think that Green Day, sometimes you can tell when a band is writing a song just for the hope of the cash payoff of like, <laughs> oh, dude, we're going to get, you know, like Imagine Dragons. They are writing songs to be rock, arena rock anthems because they know they're going to get picked up as such or even commissioned as such. I'd like to think that Green Day was just writing a song and they weren't looking at themselves and being like, hey, guys. I think people are going to have to pay us a lot of money just to play this in their montages, and that's going to be awesome for us. I'd like to think that. I hope that's the case. Regardless, it's a play. Yeah. Hey, Spermar. I don't think we're going to have Will revoice that. I think we're going to keep that drop with Hayes there. The Hayes Permar. Yeah, sure. I think that needs to stay. Okay. Uh, where's Boys to Men? Just, I gotta ask, where uh, is it? I, I, I wanted to be it be my goodbye song, so there's no boys to men. Oh. This would be the equivalent of my boys to men. Oh my goodness. Oh. It's a wrenching song, man. Oh. Hold on, be quiet. Let it play. I need to hear it. It's harder through the phone. Last night I had a uh, this sounds like a country song that I should know, but maybe don't. You don't know Diamond Rio? One more day? Maybe maybe if it was, a, maybe the chorus I might yeah, recognize. you'll know it. Let's get to the chorus. You'll know it when we get there. Who's singing? Who's singing it? Is this Brooks and Dunn? No, it's Diamond Rio. Oh, Diamond Rio. Here we go. This this is the, mo- the money line here. One more day. There it is. One, oh yeah, oh yeah. I don't know if you can hear me, but I'm singing along now. I didn't mean the chorus, I knew where we were. Oh yeah. This is a huge play. Everyone's life does not have enough Diamond Rio in it, man. Diamond Rio just makes the world better. Yes. Are they still touring? Can I go see Diamond Rio perform anywhere? Or are they just uh, like... Did they, did they actually exist, or are they just like this warm, fuzzy feeling that we think uh, was an actual band, but really it was just uh, in our hearts the whole no, time? No, what's weird know. is, I don't know if you guys have a band like this or a specific song like this, 
I'm glad we can have the Diamond Rio discussion that I didn't know we would ever have on the radio. Um, every time I get into the shower, I don't know why this is the case, I want to sing Beautiful Mess. I don't know why. This has been the case for like five years. Every time I'm getting into the shower, Beautiful Mess is a song that's in my head, and I start thinking about, you know, I will put my shoes on the wrong feet. I'm losing my mind. I, I, every time, I don't know why. Do you guys have a song like that that... Every day when you're doing a particular activity, it comes to mind? No, uh, not for me. So no. I, got, I got sidetracked thinking about Josh Graham in the shower, so let's just move on. Yeah. Oh, actually, I did want to give you some good news that they are touring, uh, but it's only small event centers and, and like wineries. They will be at the Cape Fear Vineyard and Winery on June 25th in Elizabethtown. That's a week after I get married, Permar. Let's do it. Let's absolutely do it. What's the greatest uh, Diamond Rio song of all time? Got to be beautiful mess. Come on, I, I'd probably go with that one, but uh, yeah, I mean it's all a preference, you know. No, nah, it's night is falling my heart. Oh. Used uh. to be my sunshine. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say meat in the middle. If you said meat that, in the middle, I would have forced Robert to hang it's up. A good one. It, it, that's a that's a good one, but no, nah, it's it's night is falling in my heart. That well, won't you pull those curtains back? I mean that is that is nineties country. Right is there. Robert gonna get a three for three on the way out? Uh, Let's figure it out. It's gonna be tough because this last song, uh, it perfectly encapsulates how I feel about this job. Uh, how I feel about working with Josh, Uh-oh. how I feel about uh, moving on to uh, another station. Uh, I'm just, I'm filibustering. I should just let the song do the work. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. I mean, I, was, I almost said it. That, that was an obvious answer the way you described it. <laughs> I thought it was going to be moving out by Billy Joel the way he described it. I, I, uh, take this job and shove it. I, I, I ain't working here no more. I couldn't include all sad songs. Like I felt like there was a 100% chance of me crying if I played like Fire and Rain by James Taylor or Is something. moving out a sad song? Sure. Now, move, move it out would have worked too, but it would have been it would have been more of a Josh Graham goodbye song ah, than a Robert Walsh right, goodbye. Right, like song. I had to have a funny punch here. I had to get out with something halfway funny. Yes, because I'm not funny. Um, yeah, no, this is an absolute play. Yeah! Great song, great selection of songs. That's not a uh, that's not an emotional three for three. That is a legitimate. I dig those songs three for three. Hey, yep, this is not Brett Favre falling down right in front of Michael Strahan to make sure he gets the sack record. No, this is this is well earned. Is that an outdated reference now? Since it's twenty years ago, since that happened, I got no, it. I think it still plays. Yeah, it was that bad. Okay, see, I'm all about the analogies, whether it be David Tepper, just like Forrest Gump's mom, or. Talking about Michael Strahan and Brett how Clark. is he like Forrest Gump's mom? Like with the principal? Uh, yeah, yeah. yo, mama very, really loves yeah. you. Josh <laughs> is very, very. He, I rightfully rewarded him for this take yesterday. I was like, darn it, Josh, that's a pretty uh, clever take. Hayes um, Permar you know. really does care about Robert Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Oh, now you just ruined it. Now you just absolutely <laughs> ruined it. When it was about David Tepper. Doing whatever needed to be done to get an MLS team, it was one thing. But you making the grunting noises while evoking Robert and I's relationship, absolutely over the top. But the, I will not stand but for this it. is why I need a great producer like Robert or Will, because again, I didn't think about doing the grunting noise on the radio Good statewide Lord. yesterday. Nor, sh- nor should you have. <laughs> the, 
stop it. God, those grunts stop were it. so like animalistic when he did the them too. The next grunt is getting dumped. I order it. I will not have that go out. I'll on do it for you. That, good lord. What do you got cooked up on the AG show tomorrow noon to three? Um, actually, you got a great story from a, a guy. Do you do you guys know about the NC rabbit hole, Jeremy Markovich? Yes. You guys should check him out. He is uh, uh, well. Your whole audience should check him out. Uh, I heard you just say yes. He just finds these great little stories across North Carolina. So he's going to join us tomorrow with an updated story about a lady near Asheville who got a uh, license plate issued from the state of North Carolina DMV uh. that said "fart," F A R T. They realized they made a mistake. They tried to recall it. She tried to appeal. She ended up on Jimmy Kimmel, and he has done a public records request and has all the internal communication about the now famous fart NC license plate. And we will be discussing that. And, oh, I don't know, we're supposed to talk sports, too. We'll probably talk sports, too. The Hornets <laughs> tomorrow and the Canes playing tonight. But I'm more excited about finding about the North Carolina license plate that, that the DMV accidentally let slip out that said fart. Hayes Permar. I look forward to listening to that. Thanks for the time, buddy. Thank you, guys. Robert, you'll hear from me again. Can't wait. Oh, we still doing this over the phone? Yeah, like, yeah always. We're going to do I, – I, I can't Ro- stand it. It's it's not just a producer, like an in-studio thing. We're going to say bye to each other. You guys can do this yep. off air. It doesn't have to be on air. I guess we could. All right, I'll talk to you on the phone, Hayes. Yeah, just text me or something. Yeah. All right. All right. So, See you, man. All right, moving on here.